Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning and welcome back to Mornings with Carmen and Peter Kapsner filling in for today. The final day of being in the host chair as Carmen's had a week away working on a book project. She has, however, been texting and emailing. She's never, never far from the headlines of the day. I love the work that she does each and every morning here on Faith Radio to bring the mind of Jesus into the headlines of the day. I'm looking forward to her being back tomorrow. But when you're part of this Faith Radio family, you really never know what's going to happen day in or day out. And so I was sitting here minding my own business in studio, talking about kingdom life and discipleship journeys and what it means to live in community together, when suddenly the studio door opens and a surprise guest shows up. It's a voice that you may recognize. Good morning. It's the early morning late show. It is with <laughs> Bill, Bill Arnold. <laughs> Indeed, the afternoon host from the drive time, 4 to 6 Central Time, is in studio with us this morning. Lots going on. Peter, I'm going to be your, your guest in the next half hour coming up at 740. Indeed. And I've got something exciting to talk about. But also, we've got this uh, this giveaway we're doing tomorrow, this we do. kindness initiative, which yeah. I'm excited about as well. It is exciting because I think the, the whole kindness thing can really be disruptive in a way that gets people's attention because we kind of just do our day, day in and day out, and get into our rhythms and routines. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in a world both that seems to be lacking genuine acts of kindness, but also to the disruptive nature of kindness can cause people to just stop and say, huh. What's this whole thing about? So it, we've been inviting people, at least a thousand, as part of the Faith Radio family, yeah. to sign up at myfaithradio.com to be part of engaging in just simple acts of kindness. And it sounds like tomorrow you and Carmen and Susie are going to gather together, all be at these host chairs, and we're going to take a, a series of stories about what's happening. Well, I got your Christmas present. I mean, that's an act of kindness. It is. I got that earwax remover you asked for. <laughs> you, you've been needing that for years, so I, mean, I just was happy to oblige. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Luke 16 this morning. Yeah, indeed. We are reading Luke chapter 16 together today. We did a little bit of reflection on Luke 15 earlier in the day as we we reframed that prodigal son story. But it is interesting. You see a little section in Luke 16 here where it talks about uh, the idea that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. And since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. But then Jesus says a pretty interesting statement. He says, it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of the pen to drop out of the law. And Bill, you and I have been doing an Old Testament series every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And the Old Testament is, is relatively unfamiliar ground to me. I grew up with a New Testament-only Bible. And, and what I'm finding as we're doing this series week in and week out, that the Old Testament really helps inform what's happening in the New Testament. And Jesus was obviously entrenched in it. Yeah. And I love in Luke 16, it talks about no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, I think that conversation we just had at the end of last hour, and again, you can go back to the podcast at myfaithradio.com to check in with uh, the Charles Moore conversation that we had, the book Following the Call. That's the point of that book. 
primarily mm-hmm. is that you, as disciples, we need to be single-minded in our following of Jesus and, and allow his words to both inform and disrupt our lives. And so you can't. I've tried it I, in, in, way, <laughs> you know, in, in ways both known and unknown. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can do this Jesus thing and I can do this other thing over yeah. here. You just, God is not mocked. He's like, yeah, you can go do your own thing. How, how well is that going to work out for you at the end of the day? Yeah, it's so true. I think it's one, one area that many struggle with. I would say that the Faith Radio family does an exceptionally good job with their incredibly generous nature and spirit. And they know where their treasure is, where their treasure lies. And they give so incredibly generous to Faith Radio and probably to other Christian ministries as well as their church. Yeah, I know those three share events that we get the chance to do every year, obviously as a a listener supported network, but that is the blast of it is that we can hear the stories. So great to have in studio. We'll check in again in about a half an hour, do our segment together. But up next here on Mornings Without Carmen, we're going to be joined by author Greg Matt, who is the author of the book, Capture the Moment, Cue Up the Text Line. We have a series of copies to give away, and we're going to talk about a daily devotional that we can have to keep us anchored here day in and day out. Oh my gosh, and the time just flies. It is 10 minutes past the top of the hour here on the 16th of December. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge and delighted to be joined by Greg Mott, the author of the book, Capture the Moment. It's a devotion book. I think it's a really helpful and accessible book based on Psalm 90 and the prayers of Moses that can just simple, easy, but still profound and allows us to be anchored in the day. We do have three copies of this book to give away this morning. And so get ready to, to queue up the text line here. You can text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. Again, text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. You'll be entered into a drawing to give away three copies of this book. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Great to have you on the program here. I'm curious what went into deciding to write this devotional book for 365 days of the year out of Psalm 90. Yes. Well, it's such it's such a joy when you can get up in the morning or go to bed in the evening and just have a little time with God. And I have found that there's been nothing more um, impactful um, than spending time with the Lord. And so that's why I wrote it. I wanted it to be something that would be easy, be able to connect with people, and they could get their day started. And just like the title says, capture the moment. Life is so busy and is moving so fast. And we know that at Christmas time, even especially, that if we can take that time and, and sit down and really spend just a little bit of time it can set our day on the right course. Yeah, I'd be curious a little bit more about how we start our day. It does inform our day a bit. I know I, I grew up in a situation in which we were often encouraged to have what was called a quiet time in the morning or a time set away with Jesus. And there was always a sense, kind of tongue-in-cheek, that it was always the holiest if you could find maybe a pool of liquid to sit by as the sun was coming up and start your day with Jesus. And I think there was some backlash to that because it maybe got a little bit legalistic in some circles. And I know some of my young people are like, eh, I don't want to just keep doing all the rules of the church. But I, I, I sympathize with that view. But at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that how we start our day really is going to provide a bit of a foundation for that day. So you are inviting people to engage in some kind of devotional activity, including the book that you've written here. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's there's in all of us, we need to slow down, we need to ponder, we need to think about things. And it doesn't have to be some type of religious rule in the in the least. It's really a delight. Um, you know, those you love, you want to spend time with. And so I never walk into 
a, a lunch appointment um, with a good friend or a date with my wife and go, oh, no, I've got to do this again. <laughs> um, you know, I walk in and go, oh, man, great to see you. This is going to be awesome. How have you been? Um, and so that's that's the same thing with times with God. And, you know, in, in particularly my devotional is, is most devotionals. I'm not asking for 30 minutes uh, for people or an hour. They can take as long as they want, but it's it's a quick read. Uh, it's not a thousand blanks or a Bible study moment. It's just taking a, a thought for the day, if you will, a scripture and to set our minds in the right um, caliber and go in the right direction. And that's really, we all need that. You see it even in, in the world. Now folks are trying to do this without God. You know, they want to be mindful and they want to have a little me time and all these things that God's wired our bodies for, but, you know, being with the Lord is the best part. It's not just sitting, being quiet or some kind of rule. It's time with the one who created you and the one who loves you most to think about, pray, and to, to move into your day. Talking with author Greg Mott this morning, his book, Capture the Moment. We do have three copies we can give away here. And so text the word book into studio at 877-933-2484. And Greg, you based a lot of these devotionals on Psalm 90. Why this Psalm? There's 150 Psalms. What, what did you see in Psalm 90 to give you a framework for this book? Yes, Psalm 90, it says, you know, teach us to number our days. And, and those, that's what you want to do when you capture the moment. So every devotional is not based on that scripture, but that's an underlying scripture as a foundation to number our days. You know, we don't know how many days we have left. Could be a lot, could be a little, but it's really the thought of make every day count, ponder it, appreciate it and capture the moment to use the title of the book. Um, it's more than, than just moving through our checklist each day. And sometimes our busyness one day rolls into the next that rolls into the next. And before we know it, months have gone by and we haven't deepened as an individual. We haven't walked with a more mindfulness of the Lord. Uh, we haven't grown. We've just made sure we've been to the grocery store, checked the boxes and got our email inbox, uh, you know, managed a bit. And so that teaches to number our days for, from that comes a heart of wisdom and if we can can really slow down just a notch, it really informs the rest of our days and can have a cumulative effect of growth and blessing in our days. And Greg, I want to talk about wisdom and what that means here in just a few minutes, but one more thought or question here before we head to a short break. And think about as you get more grass under the sandals, as it were, as you walk out different steps in life and you get older and, and you, you start maybe appreciating the preciousness of days as they go by like that. Are, are there disciplines or practices, even as we think about the next generation, just that, that un, understandably think they have a lot of days ahead of them and can start taking things for granted or maybe living out of a fear on the future? How, how do we start really early inviting people to think critically about each day and, and, and to really take that day as a moment to continue to grow in the kingdom? Uh, that's a super question. Uh, I think a lot of times it's the speed in which we live that causes us to not realize what's going on. You know, if I get on the the interstate and I'm driving 75 miles an hour, I'm not going to notice much of what's going by me. But if I get on a, a winding country road going 45 miles an hour, I'm going to notice the trees changing. 
Um, you never have a scenic drive going 75 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your, your scenic drives are always a, a winding road through the country, a little bit slowed down. And not that we can do that every time, but I think learning is particularly as, as a, as a younger generation to, to walk in that slowness um, is great. You know, I, I was listening to an audio book and they made the phrase, you know, is God distant or are we just distracted? Mm. And I thought that was a great way to put it. A lot of times we're like, I don't know, is there a God? Where is he? I don't feel him. I don't know where he is. And it feels like God's so distant. Well, it might not be that God's distant. It might be that you're distracted. And how would you see God um, if you're just looking at your phone all the time or your computer or you're just rolling so fast? So this devotional thought is not a new thought. It's as old as the hills, but this is just another tool to move us from distraction into devotion. And when that happens, each part of life begins to be savored a bit. And as you said, the longer you live, the more precious life is because you realize, wait a minute, this is, this is a vapor. This is a mist. I need to enjoy the now. We're always planning for the future. We're always talking about the past, but what about the today of your life? Mm, I think what you just said there, Greg, about the move from distraction to devotion is where we find the invitation into wisdom. And we're going to take a, a short break here and step away for a minute, but when we come back, I want to explore that idea of wisdom a bit more with you. Again, we're talking with author Greg Mott this morning. We've got the book Capture the Moment. It's a devotional book that is in the spirit of Psalm 90, and we've got some copies to give away here. Uh, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. A lot of you have already done just that. We've got three copies to give away, so you can get into a drawing for one of these books. Stay with us. We'll be back with Greg Mott in just a couple minutes, and we'll talk about the heart of wisdom. Well, as they should, the texts are coming in fast and furious because we've got this great book that we're highlighting this morning called Capture the Moment with author Greg Mott. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get a copy, uh, at least entered into a drawing to get a copy of this book. And Greg, before the break, we you referenced the phrase, the move from distraction to devotion. And we talked a little bit about that move can then lead us down into the pathways of wisdom. Maybe say a a bit more about that and even how you would understand wisdom in God's kingdom, because it's much different than intellectual ability and education. Yes. Wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully. You know, when you think about that, it's the ability to live life skillfully. So you're going to live life. We're all going to live life. Today is today, and we're going to do what we all do. But will I go through it skillfully? And that's where you have the wisdom of God. And it's, it's the skillfulness is based on relationship. And that's what really our hearts need. When you talk about living a great life, am I in an awesome relationship with God? Am I in a close proximity with God and with others as well? And then also, that's going to birth living skillfully. You know, I pray, or I should say have prayed, Almost every day for decades, Lord, give me wisdom. You know, the book of James says, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask from the Lord, and he'll give it to you. So that's one of my daily prayers. Lord, give me wisdom and give me leadership. Those two things, leadership in the sense of lead my life, leadership in the sense of I need to lead our church as a pastor well. And so wisdom is supreme, it tells us in Proverbs, and to get it with all you can. So uh, these times with God are going to bring wisdom to us as we look and see what he desires and grow that relationship with him so we can live skillfully. 
And Greg, that living skillfully, it requires more than a passing nod to kingdom ideas. I've, I've been really intrigued by what I have seen in my own life, but also too, as I've talked to more and more and more people, it's interesting how we might become familiar with the scriptures and the way of life and who Jesus is, but so often we give a passing nod to it. And then we go back to life as we understand it or are living it. And what you're talking about, the journey into wisdom, as you engage in this kind of devotional book, requires more than a passing nod. It, it requires taking something seriously enough to say, that might actually be true. And maybe I need to start doing the work with God and other people around me to, to organize my life in these ways. Because when you start reading about God's kingdom in the scriptures and, and are enlivened by the spirit in, in our midst, it really is disruptive. There's nothing about that life in the kingdom that is the same thing as life in this world. Yes, that's exactly right. I think about like um, professional athletes talk about muscle memory, that they want their swing, whether it's golf or baseball, to just their muscles know exactly what to do. And you have to you have to recreate that. You don't naturally get up and swing a baseball bat like a professional athlete. But what they do is they've worked on it for so long and they've done it daily that now their muscle memory knows how to twist their hips, how to bring the bat around. And that's the, there's a difference in muscle memory of walking as a believer in the spirit and the muscle memory of life of walking in the flesh. And so each day, spending time with God, each day um, growing in my relationship, uh, doing what, uh, what I know I need to do, um, and that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. And then now my muscle memory is the fruits of the spirit instead of my muscle memory being the fruits of the flesh. So mm. instead of just striking out in anger, I'm going to take a deep breath and walk in a little bit more peace and patience. And that's the difference in muscle memory. I heard a quote from Mother Teresa, uh, which I thought was great. Somebody said, well, what do I do spiritually? And she said, here's the secret to the spiritual life. Spend an hour with God a day is what she said. Spend an hour with God a day and don't ever do anything you know is wrong and you'll be fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty solid advice. <laughs> yeah, that's solid advice. Don't do what I know is wrong and spend time with God. All right. And that creates that muscle memory of wisdom to live life skillfully and really contrary to the things of this earth, um, but better than the things of this earth. That's the difference in mindset. It's better and more advantageous. And, and it's just, it's what we want. And then we're as Moses said, teach us to number our days. Now we're counting the days in a good way uh, as we walk, capture the moment. Greg, we have just a couple of minutes left here, but as you're talking, I was thinking about the Great Commission, which we so often read through the lens of maybe some evangelism. But actually, if you read the text of the Great Commission, the final words of Jesus to his followers in Matthew chapter 28, he says, go therefore and invite people to follow me, make disciples, immerse them in the Father, Son, and Spirit, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And then he says these words, and it's right at the heart of what you were just saying, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. So we're not talking about just spending time with ideas about the kingdom. We're talking about spending time with the Lord of the kingdom as he teaches us his ways within it when we spend time in a devotional book like this. Yes, it is. That's, that's, that's the key. We have a personal relationship. The God of the universe wants to meet with us, and he's always with us. There's no doubt. I mean, he's omnipresent and always with us. But when we put those times of focus, it's the difference of, you know, my wife is somewhere in the house, and I'm somewhere in the house. We're doing separate things to we're sitting at the table together conversing. Um, that's the big difference. I love it, Greg. Well, thanks for this book. Uh, one more time, listen in this morning, 
2484. You can text the word book to that number, 877-933-2484. We have three copies to give away of Capture the Moment, a great devotional book based on the heart of Psalm 90 from author and pastor Greg Mott. Greg, I hope you have a great Christmas. Thanks for taking the time this morning and the wisdom that you brought. No, my, my pleasure, and thanks for the ministry that you guys do. It's, it's wonderful. Well, we'll take a short break here and have some bottom-of-the-hour comments and news, and then we'll preview the special guest for the last half of this hour on Mornings Without Carmen. been an interesting week in the chair, Paul Burrow, because we've had so many guests that have talked about the, the coming sea change, actually the sea change that is already happening, happening within yeah. Christianity. And I want to be very clear again that we're talking about something is dying in terms of an expression of Christianity, not, Christianity, not Christianity itself. Christianity. It, there will be some things that rise from the ashes. And we got a great listener text here coming in. It says, good morning, Peter. Jane here. I met you after the live Guy Talk show recently. I've engaged with you in talks about the need to change the way the church operates. Just wanted to let you know I'm listening with interest to your conversations about parishes and house churches and hope to influence change in some way. Keep talking. Thank you. I, all I can say is I'm, I don't have a crystal ball in any of this. I just know that the young people, what they are responding to in terms of what they see in the future is an authentic following of Jesus within relationships and small communities. They're, they're tired of the big ministries, the big brands, the big email <clears throat> moves to try to, to, to draw people in through demographic analysis. All of this in which capitalism met the church is coming to an end. Something new is coming. The kingdom is not under threat at all. Uh, Jesus will continue to shine his light in the future. Up next, we've got Bill Arnold, special guest, joining us here. And we are going to talk a little bit about Old Testament, New Testament, and all things Christmas and Scripture. This is Max Lucado. Spiritual beings populate the stories of Scripture. Angels singing, demons infecting, heavenly hosts fighting, Ignore the armies of God and you ignore the heart of Scripture. Ever since the snake tempted Eve in Eden, we've known there is more to this world than meets the eye. We know less than we desire about these beings, their strategies and plans we can only imagine. If Satan could preempt Christ in the cradle, there'd be no Christ on the cross. Don't you think he tried? The conflict was, no doubt, far grander and more dramatic than anything we can fictionalize. But while we can only imagine if such a war occurred, we can be sure of this. We know who won, because we know he came. This is Max Lucado. All I want for Christmas is my two front tips. What do you think about that lead-in music, Bill Arnold? You have some of the best walk-up music and some of the, some of the best bumper music yeah. of any host on this uh, program, and we're bringing out the two front teeth for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what to say to that. I love that. It's great. Thanks for coming to the studio yeah, this morning. It's fun to chat. I know you, uh, or you obviously, and many of our Faith Radio family, people know that you run the afternoon show from 4 to 6 Central Time, and it's a show that just brings so many people in to talk about Scripture, talk about theological ideas, life and faith, and following Jesus. And uh, one of the series you and I have had a chance to do after doing a salvation series, after doing um, a series on prayer, as we've been since fall in a series, uh, September actually, a series on the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and, and bringing some of these different characters to life in some ways. It's been a really intriguing series. I can't believe how much we've learned in this so far. I agree. And this morning I want to chat about something I love talking about around Christmas time, and it was 
Uh, I'm a big fan of violin music. If you listen to my afternoon show, you hear a fair amount of violin. You do, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And I love Joshua Bell. So this was a part of a sermon, too, that was preached by my senior pastor, Leith Anderson, many, many, many years ago. And it caught my attention because I love violin music. Hmm. And it was an experiment done by the Washington Post by a writer named Gene Weingarten. And he talked Joshua Bell, one of the world's greatest musicians. And this is a name I've never actually even heard okay. of until you brought up this story. Yeah. So this is fascinating. Yeah, he did an experiment where he placed him in L'Enfant Plaza, which is a, um, it's a train station in Washington. Um, and he played for 43 minutes. And a 1,000 97 people passed by him, and only eight stopped to listen. One of the best violinists in the world is playing right in front of him, and pretty much everybody just walked on by. Yes. So no one knew it, but the fiddler standing against a bare wall outside the metro in an indoor arcade at the top of the escalators was one of the finest classical musicians in the world, playing some of the most elegant music ever written on one of the most valuable violins ever made. Hmm. Now, he decided uh, in the three blocks he had to travel from his hotel to the train station to take a cab. Why? Because his instrument was that valuable. It's a fascinating story, and I, and I think when you bring it up, and I, I'm curious what Leith had to say about it that morning that you listened to the sermon too, because there's some pretty obvious parallels, it seems to me, in the season that we're in right now, with, with the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us and the baby coming out of Nazareth, I, I assume there's some, some really interesting themes to tease out of that example of this incredible violinist that most people just missed altogether. They missed it entirely. Mm-hmm. And now, a couple of nights prior to that, he was playing with the Boston Pops. I think the cheapest ticket was $100 Wow, to a completely sold-out standing-room-only audience. Wow. Yeah. So he... And again, I'm, I'm fascinated with the instrument. It was handcrafted in 1713 by uh, Stradivaria, and it was that golden period, and it was really towards the end of his career when he had access to the finest spruce, maple, and willow. And I just love that this violin was so valuable. It had been stolen twice. The first <laughs> time it disappeared, it was in 1919. It disappeared from uh, the owner's hotel room in Vienna. It was quickly returned. But twenty year, um, but the, it was stolen a second time, and it didn't show up till twenty years later. It was taken from his dressing room in Carnegie Hall. He never got it back because he died before it was uh, returned. But it wasn't until nineteen eighty five that a thief, who was a minor New York violinist, made a deathbed confession to his wife. Wow! Said, I, I did not know that part I've of the story. Got, I've got that violin. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, Joshua Bell decides to play an incredible difficult piece by Bach. And I love the way that he described this piece of music, Peter. He said, it's not just one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, but one of the greatest achievements of any man in history. Mm. (laughs) He goes, it's a spiritually powerful piece, emotionally powerful, structurally perfect. Plus it was written for a solo violin. So he lights this up (sighs) in the train station. He does. Yeah. And 1,097 people pass by, eight paused to listen. Hmm. And one woman said, oh, my, you're Joshua Bell. (laughs) (laughs) And probably a a relatively nondescript woman is the one who recognizes the the wonder and beauty that's happening right in front of her. And so many other people didn't see it at all. Yeah. So he opens his violin case. 
How much do you, money do you think he collected in 43 minutes? $5.75. $32 and change. $32 and change for mm-hmm. one of the most world-famous violin, playing on a $3.5 million violin, and he gets $32. Yeah. So if a great musician plays great music but no one hears, was he really any good? <laughs> that sounds like a tree in a forest example as far as I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so you know, he would say, at a, uh, Joshua Bell would say at a musical, he said, I'll get upset if someone coughs or if someone's cell phone goes off, of course. But here you are in a loud train station. Mm. And he goes, I was just focusing on playing the music. But it's uh, fascinating that of the seven or eight people that stopped, a couple of them were kids who were fascinated mm. by this guy uh, that was playing. And I, I keep thinking, you know, Nathaniel uh, is in John chapter 1, verse 46. He says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Mm. And you think, well, here this baby is born in this little obscure village, and he's right in front of people, and they missed it. Mm. I, my mind is racing and uh, even got some goosebumps in what you were just saying there because it, it just... That idea of the noise of the train station, mm-hmm. right? And, and, of course, there's an obvious parallel to today, the noise in which we live that uh, how many of us actually stop and listen to the beautiful music? I, I would imagine if I was in that train station, I would probably give maybe at best a passing nod to the fact that uh, I was grateful that there was a musician, but then I would move on with my day and I would miss maybe the beautiful music that's being played. And I think we have an invitation here. You, you brought up uh, earlier in this hour the idea of serving two masters. You can't serve both of them. But I think as I'm walking through that train station of life day in and day out, I am serving two masters so often, and in so doing... I'm missing the actual beauty of the music being played by this word that has become flesh, this baby, that, that is being played all day long. And, and I think about how many of us actually do stop and not just listen, but take it in and appreciate the perfection of the moment, uh, as you were saying with Bach. Yeah. So there was one guy who wasn't on his way to work. He was actually at work. Mm. He was a busboy at a coffee shop in the plaza. And he was absolutely fascinated. I mean, he would take every minute he could to kind of go to the edge of the the store and kind of watch uh, Joshua Bell play. But he said he he could tell in a second this guy was good, that he was clearly a professional because this guy played the guitar and loves the sound of strings and and has respect for musicians. So he said, um, amazing that people just pass by Mm. Uh, because you are playing one of the most complicated, beautiful pieces of music by one of the finest musicians in the world on an incredible instrument, and nobody noticed. Why do, you, why do you think we pass by the way that we do during we're too the season? Distracted. We're too busy. We're, we're too preoccupied. You know, do, what, what else are you missing? The, mm. the Savior is, is right in front of you. Have you missed it? Are you missing the meaning of Christmas? Are you missing what's right in front of you? Mm. Yeah, I think even about yesterday, we, we spent as a family... Maybe about 11 minutes uh, doing some Advent stuff together. And it was sweet and it was beautiful and it was profound. But those 11 minutes were, were hardly anything compared to the day, the rest of the day and the things that we we're doing and thinking about the prep and all of what's happening. And I think to your point, Bill, to be able to just stop and listen to the music is a great invitation for Christmas. We'll step away for just a minute. When we come back, we'll keep telling the story of Joshua Bell and, and the great musician and, and the wonderful musician of the kingdom that is Jesus and how we can continue to fix our eyes on him during this Christmas season. I was good at solid gold and did the things that I was told. For days nobody had a scold, but I got a cold for Christmas. Man, I don't know. 
know, Bill. I think you can take some cues from this morning show this morning about how to do good bumper music. Listen to that stuff <laughs> that Paul Perot, the music mixer, is bringing to the table today. Yeah, it's making me twitch. <laughs> it's, it is making you twitch. <laughs> Indeed. We're talking with Bill Arnold, the afternoon show host here at Faith Radio. We're uh, using the story of Joshua Bell and this famous violin to reflect a bit on listening to the music of Christmas and, and, and the true music that comes with Jesus, the newborn king. Before we get back to that, Bill, we did have a listener text come in. Uh, we've been talking a bit about this Old Testament series that we're doing, about scriptures, about growing, discipleship, all of this. And a listener wrote in, uh, did Peter say that he has a PhD in theology? And yeah, I guess he does. And yet he doesn't understand the Old Testament. Did I get that right? And, and hmm. I kind of chuckle at that because I think there's 33,000 passages of scripture, roughly, Right. And, and I think I could teach probably articulately off the cuff on maybe 1,500 or 2,000 passages of Scripture. And yet that's only 7% of Scripture. This is a lifelong growing process mm-hmm. that we engage with. And, and it's a sense of wonder and worship that we can head into the text, into these stories, reflecting on life in the kingdom, uh, where we get up each day and say, maybe I don't know everything. <laughs> I, I kind of thought I did. Or maybe, yeah. maybe I could take a posture of humility and learn because this story that you're telling this morning about the violinist, it's fascinating in terms of our ability to reflect on what the season's really all about. Yeah, I think this listener called you out. I want to send him a gift card. <laughs> I know he did. Yeah, and, it, and it's not a small <laughs> gift card. I saw the denomination of that indeed. Yeah. So we just go back to the story of Joshua Bell because yeah. I do find it absolutely fascinating. They did ask Leonard Slatkin, he's the music director of the National Symphony Orchestra, and he was asked the question, what do you think would occur hypothetically if one of the world's greatest violinists performed incognito before a traveling rush hour audience of a thousand odd people? And he was uh, thinking, oh, I don't know. I think um, there's going to be at least 35 to 40 people that will recognize who he is. Right. There's no question. Right. And there's going to be at least 100 that's going to stop and listen. Mm. And that was Leonard Slatkin. Yeah. And then they asked him, well, if he did open his violin case and took contributions, what do you think he would make? And th- remember, this is 2007. He said, well, I, at least 150, at least. Yeah. Um, and he made $32 and eight people stopped. It just stunned. It is a really, it's a stunning story. And before we go on, because there's more to this story, uh, Jeanette just wrote in and said, Bill, Bill, please tell us again the name of the violin piece that Joshua Bell was playing in that subway. What a story. Yeah, it was, it's called, I hope I pronounce this correctly, Chaconi, Chaconi, Chacon. Okay. It's a... Uh, I'm over my skis on, yeah. <laughs> on Bach composition, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it's C-H-A-C-O-N-N-E Okay, uh, by Bach. Okay, another comment coming in quickly on this too. Bill, uh, Mar- uh, do I have that right? How do I pronounce it? I can't quite read it, Paul. Milena. Thank you. Uh, let's not be quick to blame the people who pass by Mr. Bell without listening. After all, they're in a train station, which indicates they had a destination in front of them. They clearly did, but boy, oh boy, I think there's a lot to learn because I wake up and think about all the many uh, destinations yeah. to which I'm headed. And I'm not blaming yeah. anybody. Oh, of course we're not. No, it, this I, is the way life works. No, I'm suggesting that there is absolute greatness in the midst uh, of the these passerbys, and it doesn't trigger anything. They're, they're on their way to get to their train. I get that. That's right. uh, significant. But you would think there would be more people pausing because mm. uh, obviously they videotaped everything from several angles. Yeah. And you would think of the 1,097, maybe 100 would have paused for 10, 15 seconds. You can still do that and make your train. You totally can. I think that pause what you're saying. I just think about all the destinations of my day today. We had destination to, to be part of the morning show. After the show, I have a destination of getting my car fixed. Later today, I have the destination of being on Guy Talk with you. We've got destination dinner with family tonight. There's so <laughs> many destinations, and, and I'm sure anybody that uh, is part of the Faith Radio family has all kinds of destinations in front of them. 
But if I'm not careful, it's the destination that drives my day. And I go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And then I go to bed that night and I wake up for Groundhog Day all over again in, in, in a series of destinations. And, and there is an invitation in the story to, as you just said, pause. But take us more into the story because more happened after this, too. Well, it was an experiment, of course, done by a writer. That was his idea, Gene Weingarten from the Washington Post. And they decided after the experiment that Joshua Bell would return to that hmm. same plaza and put on a free concert. Wow. Yeah. And if you really want to get a kick out of uh, seeing the crowd, you can go uh, Google it. Uh, Joshua Bell draws huge crowd at do-over Metro concert. Do-over Do Metro over, yes. concert. And you cannot see. Uh, it is wall-to-wall people. Really? In every, yeah, completely across the... Uh, the station, you can't find an open space. Hmm. So in other words, when they found out who he was and that he was doing a free concert, boy, people showed up in people big Yeah. Yeah. Just like they showed up when people, when Jesus fed the 5,000. They did. They, they show up, you know, lots of people show up for food. Uh, plenty of people uh, show up for teaching. But how many showed up at the cross? Yeah, it's such a good point, right? I mean, we're, we're always intrigued by the show and the crowd, but... Uh, but for those that pick up their cross and follow, it's it's often a different invitation. But you said something interesting during the break, even about a physical description uh, of Joshua Bell that we were talking about a little bit and thinking about the fact that we're in Luke chapter 16 as part of our Faith Radio family, reading the Gospel of Luke together today. And and part of Luke chapter 16 and, and 15 before it is Jesus is hanging out with sinners right. and, and seemingly having a time where he fits in. He's obviously not embracing the sin. That's not the point, but he has an ease with which he's carrying himself in the midst of these crowds that is somehow terribly invitational. And this famous violinist playing this incredible violin, he seems like he's even just one of the crowd. Well, yeah, he's uh, he's really kind of a, a heartthrob. He's, he's tall, he's handsome. He, you know, when he plays in um, performances, he's usually in, in black pants with an untucked black dress shirt. He's got <laughs> kind of that Beatles bangs that are kind of dangling. He's very athletic the way he performs and he's very passionate it's almost like he's dancing with the instrument yeah it's really quite quite fascinating to watch but that day he had a baseball hat on and just fit in with the crowd and looked like everybody and yeah um pulled out his uh, 3.5 million dollar violin and played it (laughs) (laughs) it's actually a remarkable story and we've been talking about this great giveaway we're doing at faith radio and random acts of kindness like that this is just simply being part of the crowd and we don't have to do anything major or mighty for god in those ways that we tend to think about and sometimes disempowers us just be in the crowd and and uh, shine that light and and people do respond because there really is a sweetness in this baby this yes something good in answer to nathaniel's question something good did come Mm -hmm. out of Nazareth that day. Yeah, and I think one of the the tests was would ordinary people recognize genius? Mm. And I think the the question is do, are we recognizing what what happened that day that Jesus was born that God became flesh? Mm. It was in an obscure little town. Right. It's hardly ever in, in the big places, right, where the big right. things happen. It's, it's, uh, I know it's a broken record. Today's been a broken record this week, but I, but I think it's really worth reflecting on this entire week that it's always so upside down in the kingdom. And, yeah. and why, why do we continue to spin in a certain kind of direction when there's this incredible invitation in front of us? The, the, the ease of that invitation is just come and see yeah. and, and be part of this kingdom. Uh, it's so invitational. Uh, come and see. Follow me. Believe in me. Abide in me. This is the invitation. Everything Jesus does is so invitational. Mm. 
and so disruptive in a really good way. It's where there actually is the sense of peace that we can be invited into. I'm compelled as we wrap up here, Bill, that Jesus says, so take my yoke upon me for my way is easy and my burden is light. That when you take on the teachings or the yoke of Jesus, that's where the true happiness comes in. And, and it's often different from the happiness in this world. Those of us that are celebrating the Christmas season here and uh, celebrating the birth of the newborn king, let's take that yoke upon us again, the easy way of Jesus, and, and see this baby from Nazareth. Yeah, Peter, thanks so much. Got a nice comment uh, from the listener that pointed out about you not understanding the Old Testament. Right. said, you made a good point. The Old Testament is how many times longer than the New Testament? Point well made. <laughs> There's a lot in there, Joe. Yeah. We love hanging with you. love hanging with all of you as part of the Faith Radio family. We'll take a short break and wrap up this show for the 16th of, uh, 16th of December. Bill, thanks for coming in studio and joining us you this bet. morning. So good to be with you as part of the Faith Radio family. I've enjoyed this last week as we fix our eyes on Jesus together. Really compelled by what Bill Arnold just brought to the table in this last segment. That we have many destinations, many train stations in which we're walking in life day in and day out. And yes, we do need to do those things. They are part of the rhythm of life. But uh, in this next week ahead, as we're shining the light of the kingdom and the world and walking to the various destinations, let's pause for just a minute. And listen to the beautiful violin being played moment in and moment out by the risen Savior uh, and Lord of a real kingdom. He actually is real. He truly exists. And he will walk each day, each step with us along the way. Have a great rest of the week and weekend, everybody. We'll catch you soon here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.